that's a that's a pretty darn good football team. Uh, disappointed in with myself with a, with how we got out coached and we got outplayed. Bottom line, and it's unacceptable. And we got to look at ourselves. And there's a lot to correct if we want to be the team that we we want to be. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So yesterday morning and, and yesterday afternoon, getting ready for last night's Packer game, right? Watch a little bit of the Eagles. Watch a little bit of the Saints. And I'm getting excited. I'm getting ready. I'm telling some friends, some roommates, right? Man, I hope we see... And just an Aaron Rodgers classic game tonight, right? I hope we see one of the best games of the 2019 season. Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdowns, that 49ers defense making plays, right? Back and forth. Let, let, I hope we see a classic tonight. Amazing primetime game, right? A lot of potential, very hyped up. It was for the one seed last night. Well, <laughs> if you have not seen the score or if you did not watch the game, uh, I have some bad news for you. That is that is not how the game went. The 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers last night. Um <clears throat> 37 to 8. And for whatever reason, that score makes it seem closer than it actually was. That game was over quickly. And it was not a classic Aaron Rodgers game. It, I mean, Jimmy G didn't even play that well. I mean, it was just over like that. There wasn't a back and forth. There wasn't really any drama. It was the 49ers from the gun, and we did not get to see one of those classic Aaron Rodgers offensive explosion games. Uh, and, and and it's been a while. I'm waiting for another one to happen. We're breaking down this ugly loss all hour long until 6 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Graham Bills. I am your host. I hope you enjoyed your weekend outside of the Packer game, right? Vikings fans, you had the weekend off. The Bears got a win yesterday. So outside of Packers fans today, everybody has a reason to be happy. It, it's funny yesterday because... The original slate of games yesterday kind of stunk, and it was like, let's get to the 3 o'clock game, which was the Cowboys at the Patriots, and then let's get to the night game, which was Packers at Niners, right? And it turned out that the early slate of games, specifically Carolina-New Orleans, which came right down to the wire, was fantastic. Wow. Great noon games. And then when we got to the games that were actually hyped up, well, they stunk. Patriots-Cowboys was close, but it was rainy, and and no quarterback played good, and I'm not going to rip on Tom Brady because it was was soaking wet, and I'm not going to rip on Dax. It was wet. The the good games were the games nobody expected to be good yesterday. So it was a fun weekend of football. The Badgers won. The Gophers won, which is ultimately going to lead to this Saturday's game, which will now be for the Big Ten West. A lot of fun stuff going on this weekend. Hope your week is off to a good start. A short Thanksgiving week, right? Which is nice. Look, I, today, I, I, w- I want to play this off like no big deal. I want to play this 37-8 to loss on Sunday Night Football to the best team in the NFC at the moment, the 10-1 and 49ers. I want to play this off like it's no big deal. I really do. And I'm going to be honest, I'm really creative, and I spend a lot of time thinking and reading and writing and, and talking about sports. I could do it. I'm really creative. There's a lot of different a lot of different angles I could take, right? Just off the top of my head, uh, we could talk about all the third down drops the Packers had yesterday. Well, if you haul a couple of those in, it would have been closer, right? Talk about the penalties early on, especially, right? And if I was really petty, I could have get, got onto that hands-to-the-face call that wasn't a hands-to-the-face call. I could have, could talk about the Devontae Adams taunting penalty. You you take those out, man, it's a game. Could it go there? Brian Bulaga got hurt. We could use that as an excuse. Roll that out, right? You could talk about how it's a rookie coach 
right? Coming off a bye, maybe could have done some things differently. Who knows? I, I could say it's only one game. That's tried and true. You can always go to that excuse, right? 16 regular season games, 17 weeks, it's only one game. I don't want to make too much of this, right? I'm really creative. I can talk myself into any one of those excuses. But, but, if you listen to this show with any sort of regularity, you know that what I like to do is look at a game, like yesterday's game, and say, okay, where have we seen this before? What did this remind us of? Because maybe there's an instance or a game in the past that could give us a little a little clarity, right? Could give us a clue on, on what this game meant, right? What have we learned in the past? How should we approach this game? Let's use some evidence. Let's use some precedent, right? Let's try to not be a homer. Let's try to take off the green and gold glasses and let's try to look at it objectively. Use some evidence, use some precedent, right? I cannot talk myself into those excuses. And it's because one game in the past specifically sticks out to me and it, it's almost a carbon copy of this game. It happened in 2015. You remember? It's when the Packers visited the Arizona Cardinals, and it was late on in the season, and everybody thought, wow, this is this is a playoff preview, right? These two teams might be two of the best in the NFC. Maybe this is an NFC championship game, but these two teams, very, very likely, they're going to see each other again, right? Last night, I was immediately reminded of Packers-Cardinals 2015. It, that, that game popped right into my mind. I said, this, this, this is a repeat of, of four years ago. Now, that game which was played in in December of 2015, the final score was 38 to 8 as compared to 37 to 8 last night. So they're almost carbon copies. But not just the score, but the feel, the momentum, the reaction, it all feels the same. I was immediately reminded of this game. Packers lost 38 to 8. Rodgers looked really similar. If you want to compare stat lines, they're not identical, but but they're pretty similar. Rodgers in that game 15 to 28 for 150 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Last night, you could argue it was worse, but but similar. Rodgers was 20 to 33 for 104 and a touchdown. He didn't have pick. He didn't have a pick last night. Wouldn't have really made a difference. Very similar. Like, yeah, he threw some passes and completed some of them and had some yards and even had a touchdown, but it didn't matter, right? It's the most meaningless stat line ever. Much like it was in 2015 when the Packers visited the Cardinals. And most importantly. In comparison to that Arizona game, they were just embarrassed in primetime. Embarrassed. Looked bad. Looked like pretenders. Looked like frauds. Last night, losing 37 to 8. 2015, losing 38 to 8. And if you really want to heap on the examples, sticking in 2015, remember when they visited the Broncos? Who had Peyton Manning and who were rolling along and everybody thought, man, two of the best teams in the NFL. Maybe this is a Super Bowl preview. Who knows? And the Packers got embarrassed. They got blown out. They got beat 29 to 10. Same year. And Aaron Rodgers, once again, had one of the worst nights of his career. 14 to 22 for 77 yards. We have a little bit of history of these games with the Packers, specifically with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to speak to Brett Favre too much because a lot of that was before my time. But a couple examples, one last night and two in 2015, where it was just never really a game. They are blown off the ball. Rodgers couldn't find anyone, wasn't willing to throw it up, wasn't willing to take a risk, and they just kind of go out with a whimper instead of a bang. Let's go back to those excuses I was talking about, right? Third down drops, penalties, Bulaga, rookie head coach. Right, It's only one game, right? It's only one game. You can't take too much from one game. Well, remember how 2015 went? 
Packers get blown out by the Broncos on the road for their first loss. They get embarrassed in primetime in Arizona in what everybody was assuming and thinking was a for sure playoff preview. Sure, those are just regular season games. But remember what happened in the playoffs? They barely snuck by Washington and it took two Aaron Rodgers Hail Marys to force overtime against that same Cardinals team. Last night's game should really, really concern Packer fans. Really concern them. And I feel like I'm pretty good with rolling with the punches week by week and saying, okay, they did some good, they did some bad, here's what they can build on, here's what they were atrocious at, throw this out the window, come back to this. Last night, I'm just going gonna, gonna to put it plainly, that should really concern Packer fans. Really concerned Packer fans. And we're going to talk all hour long about this game. I have some points I want to hit on the offense. I want to talk about the defense, the schedule a little bit. But last night was eerily similar. In fact, the final score is only one point difference, right? Last night, they lost to the Niners, 37-8. In 2015, they lost in primetime late in the season, 38-8 to in Arizona. Both games, everybody's assuming it's a playoff preview. Both games were in some sense for playoff positioning jockeying for that home field in the playoffs. And in 2015, yeah, Packers lost. And they said, okay, we're just going to have to go to Arizona and win. Couldn't do it. Took one of Aaron Rodgers' best games in his career where he threw two Hail Marys to barely force overtime against that team. Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not arguing, that the Packers can't beat the 49ers should they match up again. All I'm saying is that history is not on their side. Evidence isn't on their side, right? Precedent in the past, from what we've seen, wouldn't indicate that they have a good shot at beating San Francisco. And I, I over the bye week, I thought Aaron Rodgers said it best. He said, the way I see it, we're going to have to beat these guys once at their place if we want to accomplish what we want to accomplish, which is obviously the Super Bowl, right? We're going to have to beat them at some point at their place. We might as well do it this week so we don't have to go there again. Well, now, if they want to get to the Super Bowl, assumedly, they're going to have to go get a win in San Francisco or technically in Santa Clara. That's something they weren't able to do in 2015 in an eerily similar situation. Now, this season will probably end differently, right? We have yet to see the full playoff picture and how everything's going to line up, but man, after last night, I'm not going to pick the Packers to beat the 49ers. I wouldn't bet money on it. Absolutely not. Last night's game should really, really be concerning to Packers fans. We're going to break this game down all hour long. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Against Sports. We'll be back in a moment here on WKTY. We can't we, we can't please the outside. We just got to figure out what worked for us and move the ball, man, score points. And we've been doing that pretty consistently over the past month and a half. And today we didn't do that, so now we suck, apparently. But uh, we'll take a look at the mirror, we'll fix it, and we'll come back and ready to go. That's uh, Devontae Adams after the Packers' 37-8 to loss last night on primetime. Sunday night football at the hands of the NFC-leading San Francisco 49ers. They move to 10-1. The Packers fall to 8-3. We're talking about this game all the way until 6 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope your week is off to a good start. I am excited for Thanksgiving. It, it may not sound in my voice like the Packers just got killed. That's because I'm thinking about turkey, thinking about ham. I'm thinking about watching football for a day straight. I'm sure some of you maybe got out deer hunting over the weekend. Maybe you're uh, just wrapping up a day of hunting. Hope, you're, uh, hope your hunts are going well. I talked to a lot of friends this weekend who got skunked. I'm not going to lie. I, I felt like more so than normal. So I hope that was not uh, the case when you went out hunting this weekend. Uh, I, I might just have to do a little bit of hunting this upcoming weekend. We'll see. We'll see. But last night, glued to my TV painfully 
to watch this Packers game as they fell 37-8. to And look, I'm not saying, as, the, as Devontae Adams said, I'm not saying the Packers are crap. I'm not saying they're frauds. I'm not saying they're garbage. But Packers fans should be really concerned after last night's loss. You should really, really be concerned. Because, yeah, if you want to talk yourself into how if the Packers play the Niners again in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium, it'll be different. Oh, okay, if, if you want to try to talk yourself into that, fine. But I've seen enough Packers seasons now. I've seen enough examples of where it typically doesn't happen where the Packers get blown out in the regular season by a team and then it goes differently in the postseason, right? I, I cited 2015 as a, as a really recent example four years ago where the Packers played the Cardinals in December and the final score was a point different than last night, 38-8 to eight instead of 37-8. to eight. And the Packers played them again in the postseason, lost once again. It took Aaron Rodgers two Hail Marys to even make it close, to even force overtime. So no, I'm not saying the Packers are garbage, that they're terrible. But Packers fans, myself included, should, should really be concerned after last night. I want to talk about the offense. And I'm getting some texts on the five-star telecom talking text line talking about the defense, how the defense was bad. Look, I, I think we're all going to have different views. I actually thought the defense played pretty well last night, but it's so difficult to assess a defense in a blowout. It's so difficult because, because what are you asking them to do, Right. When the offense is, is scoring points, you're, you're basically asking the defense, all right, get them the ball back, maybe force a turnover, keep a minute. But like when you're getting blown out 21 to zero and the offense has no life, what what, do you, what is a defense trying to do out there, right? It, it's so hard to evaluate and, and to judge a defense in a blowout. So I actually, I, I don't want to talk about the defense a whole lot today. I thought they were fine. In fact, in the second quarter, I, my, my first thought was, man, it's a shame that the offense doesn't seem to have it because... Zadarius Smith is getting home, right? Jair Alexander's got his timing up on some of these receivers. Like, yeah, they gave up some points, but I, I, I thought that had the makings of a good game. I thought the defense came to play, despite what the 37 points on the other side of the scoreboard would indicate. If you want to shoot me a text with your thoughts, go ahead, 608-796-2558. I would love to, uh, well, kind of take the temperature of the room. Uh, like I said, I, I do want to talk about the Packers' offense. It's it's amazing watching this team and, and now seeing, obviously, 11 games this year. When the Packers are humming and when they are on script, they're a machine. They're really tough to stop because they're an effective running game, a pretty good offensive line, and a Hall of Fame-type quarterback all meshing together. That's a lot of different facets to stop. Great wide receiver in Devontae Adams and a, and a deep backfield. When they're humming, it's really good and they're really fun to watch, right? But when one little thing goes wrong... When one wrench gets stuck in the wheel, they get derailed like no other offense I've watched in recent history, right? It's brutal. Last night, even when the Packers moved the ball, even when they were appearing to have success on offense, which was few and far between, their first four or five possessions, let me read you this off. Zach Heilprin, an awesome friend of the show and a sports reporter at The Zone in Madison, tweeted this out. This is their first four possessions to give you an idea. Fumble, three and out, three and out, three and out. So when it felt like the Packers were having success on offense, it was basically not going three and out. Let let me try to paint a picture last night. The Packers ran 70 total plays and amassed 198 yards. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that math in your head. I certainly couldn't. That's 2.8 yards per play. 2.8 yards per play. My God, Aaron Rodgers. And Tim Boyle combining last night to go 23 of 37. 1.9 yards per pass. Even when the Packers were moving. And when I say moving and having success, I, I literally mean just not punting. 
It was because of penalties. It was because of one thing here and there that just kept them on life support. When this offense is on script and they're playing well and they're humming, they are a machine. But when they are not, when one little wrench gets thrown into that wheel, they derail and crash and burn like no other offense I've seen the last couple of years. When I say, when they get derailed, let me explain what I mean. There's there's a couple different ways this could happen, right? When they get behind the sticks. Yesterday, their first nine third down attempts, which was basically the scope of when the game was close, when the game was winnable or in hand. The first nine third downs, they were averaging third and 11. Just slightly over third and 11. Look, you're not going to have much success in that down and distance. And the Packers didn't convert a third down until the final minute of the game last night. But when that game was in hand, for the most part, in the first and second quarter, the Packers' yards to gain on third down was over 11 yards on average. That's really difficult for any team to overcome. But the Packers as a unit, and Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, have been terrible in trying to convert third and long situations this year, which is six-plus yards. Green Bay's only converting 20% of those. And, And I looked at the rankings, I'm like, well... No team is great in third and long, right? Well, Cincinnati is better. They convert 27%. The Dolphins are better. They're converting 21 in comparison to the Packers, 20%. Think about that. When the Packers get behind the sticks, when when they are forced to try to convert a third and six or longer, for example, then it's bad. They, they have a really difficult time overcoming their mistakes, meaning a holding penalty right, a a, a, a negative yardage play, a a run that gets stuffed deep in the backfield, right? They can't overcome it. Anything that takes them off schedule, they can't overcome it. Uh, Last night, another example of mistakes that they can't overcome. I counted three drops on third down, three specific drops. There was that Geronimo Allison one, which I believe was on the second drive because the first drive ended in the fumble. Jamal Williams had a drop on third down that would have converted. And Jimmy Graham had a ball that he absolutely needs to bring down on third down. A beautiful throw over the shoulder, just couldn't come up with it. Three instances of balls on third down that you just have to have. You can't afford to have drops on third down. You just can't. When the Packers get off script and they get out of their groove and they get in an uncomfortable situation, they fold. They stink. They suck. They don't recover. Right? They can't recover from a third and long. They can't react. They can't switch on the fly. And I want to compare them to the Milwaukee Bucks in this instance. Because last season, what did I always talk about? The Bucks were incredible at halftime adjustments. Even in-game adjustments. Halfway through the first quarter. Halfway through the second or the third quarter. Man, they could adjust. Because Coach Bud would draw something up and that team would, would listen. They would react and they would respond and they would go out and execute. And that's the sign of a veteran coach. Right, A veteran coach can take an adjustment to his team and say, okay, I know we talked about this this week in meetings. Throw it out. We're going to do this instead, and here's how we're going to execute. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. All right, team on three, one, two, three, go. And they go out and they execute it. And Coach Bud last year was great at it. That's why you saw the Bucks have a great point differential in the third quarter because they would go in and make adjustments, and then they would steamroll teams in the third. Sign of a, of, of a veteran coach who can communicate and who can react and respond with his players. The Packers aren't doing that. And that's not entirely the fault of the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur because LaFleur's a first-time head coach, right? Halftime adjustments are something that that takes nuance, take experience, right? And just in the state of Wisconsin, you can see very two distinct examples. The way Coach Bud can go into halftime and say, all right, throw out the game plan, we're going to do this. Or this game, this part of the game plan is going great, let's zero in on this. And the players react, they respond, and they go out and execute. In the case of the Packers, they get into the game, and if their first two drives don't go well, they are starry-eyed, they are deer in the headlights. They're screwed. 
And I think some facets of last night's game, although it will not get you an outcome of 37-8, to I think some facets and some little details from last night's game do have to do with a young head coach. Like I just said, I think overarching theme for this year is Packers can't convert on third and long. If they get off schedule, they can't they can't convert. They can't score. I think that it, it, part of that is a, is a new head coach for the reasons that I just said. And I think I provided a pretty good example of the other side of that coin with Coach Budenholzer, who's obviously been coaching forever. I think there were some facets last night. Look, maybe Matt LaFleur didn't know how to handle the bye. I, I don't know. He gave a lot of veteran rest days to guys like Mercedes Lewis, Tremont Williams. Right? Maybe if he could go back, he would be a little bit more intense. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what goes into planning a bye week. But there's a lot of days to fill up. Or a lot of days to say, hey, take the day off. The first time through it, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But two huge things that Coach LaFleur's got to get figured out and get figured out in a hurry. And I tweeted it out last night. If you don't follow me, follow me at Keystroker Grant. I, I got to tweet it out. I said, things that he needs to learn now is that this Packers offensive line is not a run-blocking offensive line. They're not road graders. They are not the Wisconsin Badgers. Where on third and one, you can bring in an extra offensive lineman and go get that yard. That that ain't the Packers. Now, they have their moments in pass protection. Not last night, but they do have moments. They're not road graders. McCarthy made that mistake for the last two years, and Lafleur's made it a couple of times, specifically on third and short, fourth and short, and on the goal line. You're not going to road grade a defense with this offensive line. That's number one. He has to get that figured out because that that deals with execution in third and fourth and short and in the red zone and on the goal line. Very crucial parts of the game on offense, and he's got to get that figured out. How to approach his offensive line. And also, dude, Geronimo Allison is not a yards after the catch receiver. You need to stop drawing up plays for Geronimo Allison to get the ball moving horizontally. I mean, shoot. Throw out the plays where he gets the ball the ball vertically, too, because he can't catch. I tweeted out yesterday, Geronimo Allison is not a good enough receiver to have drop issues. He doesn't do anything well other than be in the right place at the right time. And if he can't catch the ball, then he's useless. Because he's not fast, he's not strong, he's not athletic, he's not shifty, he's none of that. And they need to stop drawing up plays for him in the open field. I looked this up last night. This, is, this perfectly illustrates how they are misusing Geronimo Allison. And, and misusing, they might... It might just be misused to use him in the first place. But in the fashion they're using him, Geronimo Allison this year has 10 catches gaining fewer than five yards. That's really hard to do. That's really difficult to constantly get receptions of a yard or two yards or three yards. He's Richard Rodgers. He cannot pick up yards after the catch. I should say, uh, no disrespect to Richard Rodgers because Richard Rodgers had good hands. He could catch the ball. Two things Coach LeFleur has got to get figured out. How to run behind that offensive line in third and fourth and short. I would just I would just suggest not running behind that offensive line in third and fourth and short. And how to how to use his personnel, specifically Geronimo Allison, because he's being misused and he was misused last night. Little little nuances, little bits and pieces of that offense that I, I do think Coach LaFleur's gotta get figured out. But but even combining all of those, those reasons, I don't want to call them excuses, combining all those factors, you shouldn't end up with a thirty seven to eight final score. Not with Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking your team. Absolutely not. Uh, I want to continue to talk about this team. Uh, I I had a great, I I think, something that jumped out to me last night. I think this Packers team looks like a completely different team when they win and when they lose. And you might hear that and think, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Of course they do. One team wins, one team loses. Yeah, but at their core, the way they execute, the types of plays they run, the, the speed with which they run those plays, they look like a completely different team in wins and losses. So what I did was, I looked at some statistics and some themes from wins and from losses and found the difference. And it is 
eye-opening. I want to talk about this, continue to talk about that debacle last night, that blowout that should definitely have Packers fans concerned. We'll continue to talk about it coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. We got a lot of fun stuff going on this week. UWL basketball tomorrow night. We're going to have football all day long on Thanksgiving. Of course, that Badger Roundtable show on Friday to get you ready for Gophers, Badgers, for the Axe, and for the Big Ten West on Saturday. Check out all our scheduling, all our programming at WKTYsports.com and make sure you've downloaded that mobile app as well. We've been talking Packers 49ers last night, that 37-8 to loss that, look, we're talking reasons and factors as to why last night's game went the way that it did. But Packers fans, you should be really concerned after last night. I am right now. The fact that I have to come in here and talk about it makes me sound a little bit removed because if I sounded depressed, then no one would want to listen, right? So I'm not trying to lower the mood, but I'm trying to be real here. Packers fans should be really, really concerned after last night for a lot of different reasons. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Uh, Dan says, I think the lack of offensive production just shows how good the 49ers defense is. They were swarming everyone the whole game. Look, Dan, I I agree. That is an explanation as to why the Packers were bad on offense last night. That's one of many reasons. But at some point, you're going to have to be good defense if you want to win games in the playoffs and you want to get back to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying you're using it as an excuse. It's definitely an explanation. But in the playoffs, you're not going to say, well, what do you want to do? I mean, their defense is just that good. You, you, at some point, you got to come up with answers. Uh, Tomadan, who's a little bit more upset, Grant, he says, Grant, they fold because they have no talent. Jimmy Graham is slow and washed up, and three receivers that are undrafted free agents, they have no talent, plain and simple. I'm not going to say they have no talent. They were 8-2 and two going in. They're still 8-3. and three. They're a good team. Are they a great team? I, I don't know. It would certainly be nice to have an extra wide receiver. It, it certainly stung. For those of you who watched the noon games yesterday, didn't it sting to watch Jared Cook do his thing with New Orleans? He he can still move, and he's definitely shown off better hands than Jimmy Graham at this point. So, Dan, I, I don't agree that this team may have some talent deficiencies, and I think we've we've done a good job to, to talk about those all season long. I don't think we've ignored those. Um, the 49ers certainly exposed some of those talent deficiencies last night. I, I certainly think that's the case. Uh, I, look, something that jumped out to me last night, and the more I thought about it today, This Packer team looks completely different in wins and in losses, right? Obviously, the result is different, but look, if I watch the Patriots, they're by and large the same team in wins and in losses, right? They're going to be better on special teams. They're going to run the football. They're going to scheme guys open. They're going to be good in the red zone. Tom Brady might not be amazing anymore, but he finds ways to step around the pocket and stay up and deliver the ball where it's supposed to go, right? And that's how they are going to look whether they win or whether they lose, Right? San Fran, if they win or they lose, their defense is going to get after the quarterback. They're going to run the football, and Jimmy G is going to make a couple of throws, right? In wins and in losses. That's how they looked against Seattle. That's how they looked against Green Bay. But Green Bay is a little bit different because when they win, they look like one team, and when they lose, they they look like another. Especially if you look at the last five games. And that's what I did. And it should be very clear. It's very clear to me. It should be clear to you if you've watched these games too, what games I'm talking about, right? Compare the, the Raiders game to the Chargers game. That That's a complete a completely different Aaron Rodgers showed up, a completely different offensive line, a completely different set of wide receivers. It was night and day difference, right? Night and day difference. These duds, these bad games on offense are very obvious. 
They're very clear, and they've had two of them in Los Angeles over the last couple of weeks. Do you know you know the biggest indicator of success on offense? You know the biggest marker of success is Aaron Jones. Not with a touchdown total, or not with a, a, a carries total, or, or yards per game, or yards per carry, but it's about targets. It's about targets. Have you noticed something the last couple of weeks when they've started to lose a few games, right? Now, in the last, to put this into perspective, right, the Packers have won five of seven, and they've beaten some some good teams. They beat a good Kansas City team in Arrowhead. They, they beat a hot Raiders team at Lambeau. Detroit with Matt Stafford was a good team. They had a couple balls go their way, and then they won in Dallas. They have some good wins. They have a hideous loss in L.A. against the Chargers, and then last night was hideous just because of the final score, not because of the, the opposition, right? They've won five of those seven games, and, and I took these seven games and I broke them down. The only statistic, Aaron Jones targets in the passing game. So we're going since the Philly loss, meaning since Devontae Adams got injured and since the Packers really started rattling off some of these wins, specifically five of seven wins, there's a night and day difference between their wins and their losses. How many targets Aaron Jones get? I'll go through them. The Dallas game, Jones got eight targets. Detroit, seven. Oakland, four. Kansas City, eight. All games that they won. The Chargers, he got three. Carolina, he got zero. Now, that was a game that they won, but zero targets nonetheless. And San Fran last night, only getting one target. Now, if you average those up, and you try to paint a a good picture in seven games, I feel like you can get an average from seven games. I'm not looking at one or two here. In wins over the last seven games, Aaron Jones is averaging five and a half targets. And there's a zero in there that weighs that number down, right? If you take out that zero, you take out that win against Carolina where Aaron Jones had zero targets, that number shoots up to above six. Eight, eight, seven, and four. I'm not doing mental math on air, but that's above six. So a zero is weighing that average down. In wins, the last seven games, Aaron Jones is averaging 5.4 targets a game. And in losses, two. Two. Specifically, if you want to look at it month by month, because the last couple of weeks, he's been a lot quieter. And they did get that win against Carolina. And Aaron Jones didn't get a target. But if you want to look at month by month, it's, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty stark. It jumps out to you. Since Devontae Adams has come back, Aaron Jones received three targets at the Chargers, none in Carolina, one last night. That has to change. That has to change. Because in the midst of that four-game winning streak where they were rolling on offense, even without Devontae Adams, eight targets, seven targets, four targets, eight targets. You need to get Aaron Jones the ball because in in this current era or this current chunk of the Packers season, the last seven games where they've been winning games and that offense has come alive in comparison to the first few weeks, and Aaron Jones, he's averaging five and a half targets a game. In losses, two that number's pretty obvious, pretty clear. You have to get number 33 involved in the passing game. Now, why why aren't they getting him involved? It could be a, a couple of reasons. It's working back in Devontae Adams. Maybe they're trying to, 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 to shift in other pass catchers. Or maybe opposition is just saying, we're going to take away Aaron Jones. In fact, th- that's what Richard Sherman said last night. The Niners normally play zone on defense. In the defensive backfield, they play zone. Last night, they went man because they weren't afraid of the Packers wide receivers. It was all about stopping Aaron Jones. So if the opposition wants to try hard enough to take a player out of the game, they can. And then it's on the other, it's on the offense to, to figure out another option, right? But man, it, it's such a night and day difference. When this offense is struggling, this team is losing, they're not throwing to Aaron Jones. You want to look at Aaron Rodgers, who was bad last night. Aaron Rodgers makes life more difficult and only throws to the boundary, right? He's going to throw out routes. He's going to throw back shoulder throws that even if they're completed, you go, oh my God, 
low percentage throws that are that are labored, that are difficult, and they're not sustainable. You can't put together drives on balls that are based on timing because they're just too hard to complete. Now, on fourth and four, if you have a receiver you trust, yeah, go to that play. In the red zone, yeah. But when you're trying to move the ball up and down the field, you have to scheme guys open. You have to hit guys and hit your reads. It can't all be timing. It can't be... It can't be improvised, and that's sometimes what Aaron Rodgers goes to. And it's very clear the difference in wins and in losses, in offensive success and an offensive failure. Last night, you know what I kept hearing? Oh, Packers can't defend the middle of the field. They can't cover the middle of the field. They're getting gashed. Could the Niners defend the middle of the field? I don't know, because the Packers never threw there. They weren't throwing slants. They weren't throwing routes up the middle to the tight end. It was all to the boundary. It was back shoulder. It was outs. It was comebacks. It was timing routes that are labored, that are difficult, and that are not sustainable. Well, the Niners are saying, we're going to work the middle of the field, and we're going we're gonna to make this Packers defense work. I don't think Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers really made that Niners defense work last night. Certainly didn't stress it. Certainly, certainly didn't beat that defense, that's for sure. 37 to 8. Man, oh man. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, I, I want to look at the last portion of the Packers schedule. Because we're getting down to it. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but it's like getting dark at 345 now and Thanksgiving's around the corner. Like we're in the stretch run of the NFL season and these games start to matter. A couple divisional games coming up for the Packers. Even after that horrendous loss, and I've said it a couple times, Packers fans should be concerned. Don't play this game off as nothing. It's not nothing. Yes, it is only one game, but man, you can learn a lot from a game. How do you feel about the rest of the season? We'll go through the games. We're not going to pick them. We're not going to make predictions. But but maybe see how we could see this Packers season playing out to the finish line. We'll talk about that and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We've been talking Packers, Niners, 37-8, to a blowout last night, and just disappointing. I, I thought we were going to be in for a good game last night. I thought we were going to see an Aaron Rodgers gem, and, and two really good teams were going to go back and forth for the top spot in the NFC. Uh, not, not at all what went down last night. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. You can follow me at Grant on Twitter. Follow all of us at WKTY. It's pretty wild that this week is Thanksgiving because... I thought for the last segment today, we could kind of take a peek ahead at the Packers' schedule and what they have remaining the next month or so. And I thought, damn, there's only there's only a couple games left, right? And and Thanksgiving is this weird wake-up call because it, it really still feels like week six, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like the Packers and, and the NFL season just started a couple weeks ago? And here we are coming down the stretch run. Thanksgiving week for football is, it is incredible. I, I'm looking at the slate of games on Thursday I don't actually, I'm not actually that excited for any of them. I think Cowboys-Bills is, I, I guess, two big brands, two historic franchises, but like, what? At least it's not Washington. At least it's not the Giants. But Cowboys-Bills? Oh, okay, you got the Falcons playing at night, but you know what? It's Thanksgiving football. I'm, good. I'm going to watch. It's on Thanksgiving. That's what I'm going to do. And And, and Thanksgiving football is really this, it's really this vibe. It's really this feel and this mood because there's a couple things different, right? You have like the weird, the weird awards that all the network gives out, like the the galloping gobbler, and I don't know if they have like a John Madden like turducken award, but like all the networks have something, right? 
And they all put the, the cornucopia, the Thanksgiving thing on the score bug, and it's like, ah, I feel like it's the holidays, right? And they always do that thing where they go around and they shout out all the camera people, and they say, hey, here's Mike Smith. His family's back in, uh, I don't know, Memphis, Tennessee, and he's missing the give your family a wave, Mike, and he gives him the wave. Like, I love thanks, I love holiday football. I love Thanksgiving football, even if the games aren't amazing. And it's kind of a, a reminder and a wake-up call that there's only so much season left. Now, the Packers do have a... A, a very manageable portion of their schedule down the stretch. I, I don't want to say that to downplay how important last night's game was. It's easy to say, well, they're eight and three. You know, they got some bad teams coming up. They should be able to make 12 and four and, and get the playoffs. That That's not the point, right? The point is the Packers still have things in front of them, but also last night's game was such a huge deal. According to the football power index last night, the, the chances to earn the one seed in the NFC, this is how it shakes out after last night. 49ers, 41%. Saints, 31. Seahawks, 16. Vikings, 9. Packers, 3. Now, here, and the Vikings ahead of the Packers for a couple reasons for schedule and for the the tiebreaker, right? The Packers don't have the tiebreaker over the 49ers. And the the Seahawks and the Vikings, I I believe, play coming up. I could be wrong. But but there is going to be some... some, not mismatch, but some some tiebreaker and some head-to-head matchups that go into this, and that all plays into that percentage. But but think of it this way. The Packers just got rolled in Santa Clara. Do you think they can go out there and win? Eh. 2015, another great example where they lost to the Cardinals by a, a, a similar score, 38-8, to one-point difference where they lost to them in the divisional round. We all know how difficult to place the Superdome is to play. We all know that Seattle is a house of horrors for Green Bay and for most teams that go there. And those are your three leading candidates for that one seed. And last night's game had some big ramifications and a really big missed opportunity for Green Bay to try to get home field advantage and, and especially a first round buy. Things that have been pretty few and far between for, for this Green Bay team the last couple of years. Now, looking down the stretch, the Packers do have a pretty manageable slate of games, right? They travel to New York next week. And it looks like Pat Shermer is, he stinks. And it looks like Daniel Jones is a rookie and loves to turn the football over. Golden Tate sounds like he's going to miss the game. The, the Packers need to win this Sunday. And, and honestly, it would I'd feel a lot better about the Packers if they came out and rolled the Giants and said, look, we had a bad game in San Fran. We're going to move past it and we're going to try to be better against elite teams in the playoffs. But it starts this Sunday, right? That game is at noon. We'll be here on WKTY. Then they host Washington at home. So two bottom-of-the-barrel NFC teams, both in the the very bad NFC East. New York, Washington, and back-to-back weeks. Then they host the Bears on the 15th. That's a noon game. And then they play at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota Sunday night on the 23rd. So Christmas Eve Eve. They also visit the Lions on the last game of the year because why, why would they ever do anything other than that, right? Than playing at Ford Field in the last week of, of December because that's just tradition, right? Now, I think the Packers will beat the Giants. I think they'll beat Washington. I think they'll beat the Bears, and I feel confident enough to say that without a disclaimer because they're at home. If that game was in Chicago, I think it would be interesting. Not because I think the Packers are bad or that I think the Bears are amazing, but it's a division game. It's close. That defense is great, and and they'll get up to play the Packers. But because it's at Lambeau, I think they will win all of those three games. So I guess by my estimation, the Packers are about to win three in a row. Vikings at U.S. Bank on Sunday night. On Christmas Eve Eve. That that is going to be interesting. I think that's the one game that sticks out in this final portion that's like, okay, if they're gonna go twelve and four, that's probably where the loss is gonna come, right? 
I don't know what the situation is going to be with Matt Stafford in the last week of the year. They've traded away some really good players. The, the Lions... If the beginning of their season had gone differently, I, I think that team could be in a good spot right now. I'm still I'm still a believer in the Lions. I still think Matt Patricia is not a bad coach. They just can't win games. I, I don't know what else to say. But I think the Packers beat the Giants. They beat Washington. They beat the Bears. Vikings fans, what do you think about that game? That's something we're going to have to talk about the next couple of weeks. How do Vikings fans view that game? Hosting the Packers on Christmas Eve Eve, Sunday night football. How do you feel about that? Because my mind is, I'm kind of up in the air about it. I could see it going, I could see the Vikings blowing out the Packers, and I could see the Packers blowing out the Vikings. I think there's a lot of different ways that game could go. I think it is to Matt LaFleur's advantage, and then of course to the Packers' advantage, that that game is coming late in the season. The Packers are going to have played in Arrowhead. They're going to have played last night in, in Levi's Stadium, which isn't notorious for being a loud stadium, but a, a, a big environment nonetheless. They played in Dallas, and they played in Soldier Field. They do have some games this year in rowdy home environments and big moments. Now, that doesn't mean they fared well in all of them. Fared well in most of them. Last night notwithstanding, right? But I'd like to think that by week 16, when they travel to Minnesota, they will have had their ducks in a row at least as much as you can get your ducks in a row when it comes to visiting an opponent on Sunday night football in a huge atmosphere. I don't know. I don't know. I can see it going a couple different ways. Now, I like, I like our chances with Kirk Cousins being the quarterback. I know Vikings fans have, have, they cannot decide whether Kirk Cousins is good or not. They love to say how he should be an MVP one week and then blame him for their misery the next. So I, I don't know how to approach Kirk Cousins. I'm always comfortable because I think he's, he's one bad throw away. That's what we saw in the, in the game in Lambeau earlier this year, right? He was playing well. Vikings were playing well. well. Kirk Cousins wasn't playing that well, but they finally got things going, right? And what did Kirk do? He made a pass he shouldn't have made. And unlike last night, if the offense can score points and keep it close, that's all you really need, right? It's one mistake. You just have to take advantage of it. And I think Kirk Cousins is more prone to making that mistake than Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that's a homer take. I just think that's reality. That being said, I, I don't know how I would pick that game right now. I, I think the next two weeks are going to be big indicators. At Giants, home against Washington, and then you go to Soldier Field before that Vikings game. Let's see what the Vikings got coming up. Well, we got a cut. We got a minute or so. Who do the Vikings got? Because they do play Seattle. They go to Seattle next week. That's right. That's a night game. Then they host the Lions. They go to LA and then they host the Packers. So the Vikings have got to get through Seattle off the bye. And then there's some bad opponents for both of these teams. It's that collision course for that game on the 23rd. That's going to be really important. Very well could decide the NFC North, and it is definitely going to have a huge impact on seeding for both of these teams, especially if they keep winning, because both of these teams are trending for 12-4. and four. One of the, these two teams is going to be a 5 or a 6 seed at 12-4. and four. It's just the way the playoffs work. Huge game coming up, and we'll, we'll definitely talk more about that. Bucks play Utah, 7 o'clock tip tonight, 6.30 pregame with Ted Davis, with Justin Garcia and the Bucks Radio Network. Enjoy. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Have an awesome night. Talk to you then.